Welcome to the family with Alex Brandt Bernard Rasmussen, co-host Catherine Brandt. Am I on? Yes, you're yes. on. <laughs> and Andy Brandt Bernard. <laughs> what do you mean? Are you on? You it's can't like, hear. It yourself? sounded really muted for a second there. Nope, you sound great. Good. I'm glad I sound great. No question about it. We're about five minutes away from our guest, but I want to read this because it can't be <clears throat> as bad as it sounds. Def Leppard drummer Rick Allen says he was attacked outside a Florida hotel in March. Oh. You know the number one thing about that uh, being a horrible story? No. I do believe Def Leppard drummer Rick Allen only has one arm. No, so it would be an easy fight then. Yeah, it would be a very easy fight. You attack a guy with one arm? Really? What's his name? Allen Ballen? Rick Allen. Rick Allen. Def Leppard drummer Rick Allen says he was blindsided during an attack on him outside of Florida, South Florida Hotel following a concert earlier this year. You are correct. He's missing his left arm. He, wow. You attacked a guy with one arm? Really? I mean, maybe he was attacked by like a seagull or something. Could be. Uh, I heard a couple of steps and then I just saw this flash and the next thing I knew I was on the ground. Allen, 59, told ABC's Good Morning America in an interview uh, this morning. I landed on my backside, hit my head on the pavement. Def Leppard was in Fort Lauderdale to perform at the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino when he was attacked March 13th while taking a smoke break outside a hotel. If I already lost one arm, I doubt that I'd still smoke. Well, what did he lose it to? Yeah, I was going to say, he didn't lose it to smoke. Can you lose an arm to smoking? I got lung cancer in my arm. I don't know. Let's find out. We'll find out how he lost his Generally, arm. Generally, you lose I think it was a car because of a, yeah, something traumatic. I think it was. I'm not sure. Was it a car was because thing? of a car crash. Car yeah. crash. Yeah. It was, 1984, yeah. so it's, that arm's been gone for a while. It has indeed. There you go. Uh, police arrested Max Hartley, a 19-year-old from Avon, oh, uh, Avon Ohio, uh, who, was pleading, uh, who has pleaded not guilty to two counts of battery and four counts of criminal mischief, according to court records. Police say they haven't uh, determined a motive. I don't think he knew who I was, but he must have seen that I wasn't a threat because, you know, I've only got one arm. It's like, why would you attack a guy with easy, one arm? An easy mark. Yeah, but Jesus, this guy's got one arm, for Christ's sake. I don't think they care. They just want your money. They don't care. It's the money. It's all about the do re me. So, Tom. Yes, ma'am. I follow this site called Uberfax. Uberfax, okay. Okay, so I just want to let you know. This is about the cars at Uber? No, it's just hmm. like German Uber. Oh, German Uber, okay. Uh, a man once tried to sue Pepsi after claiming he discovered a mouse in his Mountain Dew. Correct. Pepsi defended itself by proving that a can of Mountain Dew would dissolve a mouse in a matter of months. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's <laughs> so would like orange juice. <laughs> So stop Alex. drinking those products. <laughs> well, but what they're saying is it's fake. What? Because there couldn't have been a mouse in there. Exactly. Right. Well, but also, how would a mouse get, I don't know. People d- do this. Of, yeah. People have done this multiple times, there's and been it's a just l- not, yeah, there's it's been not a, real. Well, and most of the time, a, a huge corporation will just throw money at somebody and tell them to and make them sign a non-disclosure yeah. because it's just easier to get rid of people. And give them a lifetime supply of the thing that they're suing for. So, yeah, it's just what happens. But anyway, just thought that was interesting. Uberfax always has a fascinating little factoid. So what does Uber actually mean? It means super. Yeah. Oh, it just means Uber, so Uber is super. Mm-hmm. Oh, like Uber, oh, that's right, Uber great. Or Yeah, I've heard that before. Very great. You can say Uber mensch. It's Uber what we're Mensch. all thinking. That's right. Uber <laughs> Mensch. That's right. 
Speaking of Uber, what what's happening? Or everybody's all upset about whatever the city did now with Ubers and well, Lyfts. They're thinking about moving out. They're not. They're thinking about just up, uprooting their business and getting the hell well, out of here. Why? What are they doing? I guess there's more charges, Andy. What do you know what about? What city we're talking about? Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Oh. Something about Uber and Lyft ride shares that. Let's see. It's over legislation no. that would raise driver pay. Oh, so they don't want to pay anybody. Uh, basically, yeah. Oh, well, it would, they'd be paid 185 per mile, which is the highest rate in the entire country. Well, why? And then tips see, on top of that? I believe so. Once again, why does Minnesota always have to do that? You live in Minnesota. You should pay a lot more than everywhere else. they're on a war path to mm-hmm. somewhere. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Tom here. For years, you've heard me talk about my friends at North American Banking Company. They have great online and mobile banking options, plus friendly employees who are always ready to help. And with their location in Maple Grove now open, it's even more convenient for me and my family. Go visit my friends at any one of their six Twin Cities locations or go online to nabanco.com to learn more. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC and equal housing lender. You all have helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. Um, what I don't understand, don't though, is... Is how are we going to segue this into our guest? Yes, I don't understand that. <laughs> you, don't, yeah, you don't have it? I can find out if Jeff Benedict has ever shut down an Uber ride because it costs too much. I could do that. Okay. What do you think? That'll go. Ladies and gentlemen, our very special guest is new book, LeBron. Jeff Benedict, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? Things are magnificent now that you're here. Let me put it that way. Now, we're just talking about in Minnesota. Where are you from originally, Jeff? Connecticut. Because uh, we just read a story on the show that uh, Minnesota now wants to charge more than everybody else, everywhere else in the United States. They want to pay their drivers more. And, hey, look, I'm not against people being paid more. Don't get me wrong. But for some reason, Jeff, Minnesota always has to take it to the nth degree. It has to be more than anywhere else. I've never understood that. I mean, a 10-minute trip would be 20 bucks. 
20 bucks, uh, really? Well, 10 miles. Oh, you're right. $1.85 a mile. You're right. Yeah, It'll that's without a tip. That's without a tip. So, yeah, no no but, one would want to pay for that. And if you don't tip, you don't get you get a terrible rating on Uber, yep. and they can refuse to pick mm -hmm. you up. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. So, Jeff, make sure you tip your Uber driver, okay? Okay. Uh, duly noted. <laughs> duly noted, ladies and gentlemen. Jeff Benedict with us, his new book, LeBron, from the number one New York Times bestselling author of The Dynasty and Tiger Woods, comes in a definitive biography of basketball superstar LeBron James, based on three years of exhaustive research and more than 200, 250 interviews. My God, Jeff, you are a busy man. I mean, it's a, when you're doing a life like LeBron's, uh, you need that much time, and you have to do that much work because there's, there's so many uh, aspects to his life that go beyond basketball. And uh, so there's a lot of people to talk to and a lot of a lot of facets to track down, and that's partly what makes him interesting to people, I think, is that there's a lot of people who are interested in LeBron who don't even necessarily follow his basketball mm -hmm. career, but he may be following other things that he's involved in, whether it's Hollywood or Nike or politics or, you know, the school he's built in Ohio for underprivileged kids. There's, there's a lot right. going on with him. Yeah, I, I'm looking at um, your bio, and I did not, I don't really follow basketball, sorry to say, but um, I didn't know that he had such a difficult upbringing. Yeah, I think his, um, his origin story is one of the most interesting parts of his life is um, I, I compared it to a character out of a Charles Dickens novel because it's, he comes from extreme poverty. He grew up without a, a father, with, in fact, not even knowing the identity of his father. And pretty much a nomadic lifestyle in those early years, just him and his mother. His mother was a teenager when he was, when he was born. And um, the community aspect in Akron, Ohio, and the number of men, and in some cases women, who um, were partly responsible for also raising LeBron and teaching him different aspects of life besides basketball that were really important to him, particularly, you know, how to be a great father and a great husband. He had some great role models in the Akron community. And one of the things that I found most interesting about LeBron is now that he's hit this, you know, ultra level of fame and success, he hasn't forgotten the people who were there when no one knew who he was. And when he broke the scoring record, for example, in back in February, he broke Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time scoring record. One of the people that he had brought out to Los Angeles to be in the arena that night was a guy named Frankie Walker, who was the first man to put a basketball in LeBron's hand when he was Ooh, a fifth grader. Man. And so I just think, you know, those are the kind of stories that people don't know about LeBron, but that's behind the scenes when no one's looking those are the kinds of things he does pretty regularly was he one of those kids that just was just a gifted natural athlete or did it not come easily for him or what was that well i mean look of course he was he, on one hand yes he was a it had some natural gifts as an athlete his body was different than the kids his age he was longer and stronger and um you know, he, had, he displayed leaping ability that was, you know, well beyond other kids his age. But the truth is there's, there's plenty of kids who, who separate themselves from other kids with, with their athletics. But it's rare that 
someone who's as gifted as he was and is would work as hard as he does. Mm. Um, most, most people who have, like, the natural talents are not <laughs> inclined to outwork the, the kid who, right. who's just a hustler and is, is, like, working like a dog just to make the team. The thing about LeBron is he had all that superior natural talent, but on top of that is he worked harder than all the other kids. When you combine those two things, that's when it gets scary. Yeah, no question about that. I mean, I just, uh, one of my favorite stories to tell, and Jeff, I don't know if you and I have ever talked about this before, but uh, I was at a, we used to do appearances with a morning show that I was on. We did appearance every year in, in Las Vegas. And I don't remember the name of the hotel we were at. It doesn't matter which hotel. I think it might have been Treasure Island. Anyway, there was, a, there was a pool up on the roof, like a lot of the places. And LeBron James was there, and he kept doing cannonballs into the pool. <laughs> and he was spraying. He was spraying. Yeah, it was like a tsunami. <laughs> and he kept spraying water all over, the, all over everybody. And finally, the manager had to come up and say, Mr. James, would, would you please stop doing cannonballs? Everybody's getting wet. The entire deck is wet. Could you please stop doing that? And he said, I do what I want. Oh. That's how he responded to that. <laughs> it's like, what? And then I found out later from that very same person, there was a reason he was, because he was supposed to do a cannonball in a commercial or something. So he's practicing. Yeah. Oh, so you know about this. The, the Cannonball commercial is actually one of the most iconic Nike commercials he's made right. in his career with Nike. And, and I think most people would say, I mean, a lot of the Nike commercials that LeBron's made, and I, I didn't write about all of them in the book, but I wrote about some of them because some of them are actually quite significant in his life story. And one of them is the Cannonball commercial because... Um, right. he, he made it really early, relatively early in his career, his pro career, and it was one of the earlier Nike commercials. And it's the first time that when you watched him, you'd go, you know, this guy could actually be an actor um, because he plays himself, but he plays himself at four different ages in the commercial. And one of the things he's doing in the commercial is diving off a high dive into a pool and creating a big splash and then there's an older LeBron, like a much older LeBron. He looks like a grandfather sitting on the pool deck getting soaked. <laughs> and <laughs> oh. So it's, what you're describing is, is making me laugh because that's exactly what they did in the commercial. <laughs> well, that's what the, everybody tells me is when I told that story, they said, you know the reason he was doing that. He, he was trying to learn how to do this for a commercial. And yeah. that's why he kept doing it. And that's, I guess, just the way he is. LeBron James is just one of those, until I get this right, I'm not going to stop doing it. And I think that was the problem because they, they kept going, well, should I do this? Should I not do it? What should I do? Right. But he just kept doing it over. And I was sitting there watching him do it, as a matter of fact. I didn't know, I didn't yeah. know who he was. At, I mean, I knew his name, but I didn't know who he was really yeah. or who he would be, I guess is a better way to put it. But the other great story I have about LeBron James is he did a commercial way right at the beginning of his pro career. And he was dressed up as like a pirate, kind of a, like a swashbuckling pirate. And that somebody says something to him in the commercial, and he pulls out this saber and he goes, 
This is my mighty sword. <laughs> sword. He, could, he couldn't say the word sword. He had to say sword, so they just left it in there that way, which I thought was well, interesting. I think um, one of the things I liked writing, well, the part about his life that I enjoyed writing probably the most were, were those early adolescent years because you could see that early on he recognized basketball as he was, he was really smart and intuitive as a teenager where he saw basketball as not just a game, but it was a form of entertainment, live entertainment. Right. That was like show he, and he treated basketball like show business. There's a great scene in the book where he goes to a Laker game. He's, he's still in high school. He's a senior in high school in Akron. But he's flown on a private plane. Adidas sent a, a small jet to pick him and his mother and his friends up to fly them out to Los Angeles mm-hmm. for a meeting with the Adidas brass because they're trying to convince him to sign with them instead of Nike. And as part of the recruiting junket, they fly him out, and they take him to a Lakers game that evening. So he's in school in Ohio during the day. And by that night, he was sitting in the Staples Center in Los Angeles watching Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal play in a basketball game. <laughs> and what's interesting is that night, as normal, Jack Nicholson was sitting courtside <laughs> in his seat. And in that game... Um, Shaquille O'Neal gets called for a foul that clearly looked like it wasn't a foul. And Jack Nicholson got up out of his chair and went off on the referee. And it's interesting because that week, his movie, Anger Management, was number one at the time. (laughs) And so here's Jack Nicholson going off on the officials, and it got so out of hand that they, they actually threatened to take him out of the building. And LeBron is there as an 18 year old high school senior who's about to become the number one draft pick for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And he's seeing all this happen. And uh, at one point during the game, Carl Sager from TNT comes over and realizes that LeBron James is in the building and asks to interview him during the game down on the, by the court. And he does interview him. And one of the things that the announcers are talking about during the game, instead of talking about the game, they're talking about this 18-year-old kid who just got interviewed by Carl Sager who seems to have the poise and charisma of a seasoned professional athlete. Sure. And I think it's because he, he knew really early. He saw that basketball is one of America's highest forms of entertainment. It's live entertainment. It's televised. And there's a lot more going on than just figuring out how to put a ball in the rim. It's, it's Jack Nicholson courtside. It's celebrities at these games. It's television ratings. It's advertising and money and all this stuff. And I think LeBron was smart enough to realize that he, he could be like a driving engine in that business, which obviously that is what he became. Yeah. Well, hadn't he had advanced his level of AAU and what was going on? He, he was advanced beyond what guys 10, 15, 20 years before were even close to, wasn't he? Yeah, his, his AAU, I actually spent a lot of time on his AAU career because that's something that most people don't know anything about. And his, his we all know LeBron didn't go to college, so the, there is no college career to write about or talk about with LeBron because he, he skipped right from high school to pro. 
but he had a, an incredible AAU career during high school. And so it's basically in the summers, he is traveling around the country. He played on multiple AAU teams. He played on one in Ohio, but he also played on one in California. And those teams were incredibly good teams. He played with guys on his AAU team, a lot of whom then went to the NBA, like Kendrick Perkins and Poe and all these different guys. They saw what LeBron was like in AAU ball. I mean, another favorite story in the book is when LeBron was recruited to join an AAU team in Oakland when he was just a sophomore in high school. And he, he goes out there and these AAU leagues are super competitive, and the, the team in Oakland was one of the best AAU teams in the United States. And but these kids didn't know LeBron, and when LeBron showed up, they didn't like him. They didn't, well, who's, who's this outsider? You know, who's this kid coming from Ohio? Why is he here? And why do the why do our coaches have him on the court with us? But as soon as LeBron started playing with them, they could all see as good as they were. None of them were as good as him. Yeah, and. Pretty soon, they actually wanted him on their team because he would distribute the ball. He didn't just score a lot of points, but he was incredibly good at distributing the ball and making them good and feeding them the ball with great passing. And that's what ingratiated him to a lot of these kids around the, league, around the country that were superstar high school athletes was that LeBron's a guy that could go on the court and score 50 every game but he usually consciously chose not to do that. He might score 20, but he might get 20 assists per game. Mm-hmm. And, and it was just very rare to find someone that gifted and talented who was willing to give up the ball as much as he was. Well, I mean, his abilities at a young age were just so much better. I mean, do you, do you remember about a year ago we had the coach on of uh, – of uh, one of the schools in Philadelphia who talked about a freshman in high school um, showing up at one of his practices and being the best player mm-hmm. on the court, and that was what Kobe. And right. so, yeah. you know, that's the way LeBron was. I mean, he was so much better. He's still, I mean, in lots of ways, so much better than everybody else. Yeah, yeah. He just manages the game differently now because he's older, and but he's always been a an on-the-floor manager or coach. I mean, even pretty early in high school, um, he's coachable. Like his his high school coaches, you know, talk about, they rave about how coachable he was as a high school player. And that's another thing that's unusual when you have a prodigy. They can be hard to coach. Right. And, you know, difficult to manage because they are gifted and different. And LeBron was all those things, but he was very malleable in terms of taking a direction and, and criticism from a coach, in, in some ways, like the the best actors in the business, the best actors are really good at taking direction from directors. And LeBron, when he's when he's with a good coach, so like when he was on the Olympic team for all those years, and Mike Shashevsky was the coach. Mike Shashevsky is an incredible teacher. You know, he teaches basketball the way most professors teach, like you know, college history or something. He's that way with basketball. And LeBron was like a sponge. You know, he he wanted that kind of instruction from someone like uh, Coach K. And so I think that, um, you know, again, those, those Olympic years and what that team did those two years that LeBron was on it and That's Coach right. K was coaching it was pretty – I mean, it's hard to talk about how dominant they were. 
Jeff, how did he ever, I mean, does he know who his father is? Did he ever meet his father? Did any of that ever happen? He's never met his father. And, um, you know, he says that he doesn't know who his dad is. And so, you know, that's, that's not, to me, that's not, um, it's not hard to believe, you know. Um, so I, I know, I know there's some journalists who are skeptical of that story and his account of it, but to me, it's, it, that, that's not a hard one to understand Listen. at all. Isn't the internet that uh, that Michael Jordan's everybody's dad? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, the reason I ask you that, Jeff, is because in a lot of cases, uh, and I I'm, I would be included in that group, people that never either didn't know who their father was, never got along with their father, actually their father was hostile to them or whatever. Is that part of what made him so great that he was so determined, since I didn't have a dad, I'm going to have to work harder and be stronger than everybody else? Is that part of this whole deal, Jeff? I, I mean, I don't want to overanalyze what, right. what drove him, but I, I think, you know, there's a couple things that you can deduce just from what he has said and done, is that really early on, you know, when you look around and you see other boys that have fathers in their life and you don't, mm-hmm. it does affect your thinking. And LeBron was around when he finally makes friends, like in fifth, sixth, seventh grade, he's forming these friendships with a core group of boys in Akron that are his age and they're, you know, they're decent basketball players. And those boys have dads. They have dads and moms. Mm-hmm. And LeBron is spending a lot of time in their homes and he's seeing what their home life is like and how those dads interact with their kids and how those fathers interact with the moms. You know, LeBron is absorbing all that and he's seeing those things and, you know, there's modeling going on. And when you look at the way he conducts himself today as a father and a husband, to me, that's a lot more impressive yeah. than the yep. things he does on the basketball court. Mm. And, you know, he's he, early on, like there, there's a great anecdote in the book where the, when he and Savannah have their first child, uh, LeBron, you know, Bronny, who's now about to go to college as a right. freshman, when he's just learning to walk for the first time, there's a great scene where he kind of slides off his mom's lap during a Cleveland Cavaliers home game and this is back when, you know, LeBron's really young. It's his first stint with the Cavs. And during a timeout, the, you know, little one-year-old Bronny sort of makes his way across the court during a timeout. And LeBron has him sit on the bench next to him, which is against the rules in the, in the NBA handbook. You can't have family members on the bench during a game. And it's, it's actually a rule. And he breaks the rule. But the thing about it that's so great is, like, I think everybody that had a camera that night, the, the television mm-hmm. crews, the, the photographers for the newspapers and the magazines, they all saw what was happening there and realized the significance of it. And they started snapping pictures and video, which is how I learned about it. I saw it in the archive. And I just thought, you know, this is a great um, illustration of how LeBron, how important that part of his life is to him. It's probably the, the only thing 
that he's put above basketball is his family. And, and I, I make a big deal out of that because when you're the greatest in the world at something, usually that thing is more important than your family. It, it's just the way it is. Like when you become the greatest, whatever it is, you name it, uh, athlete, painter, architect, scientist, politician, the family usually takes a it's second fiddle. Your relationship with your spouse is second. Your relationship with your kids is second to being the greatest in the world at one thing because that one thing demands everything of you. You don't, you don't get on top of the world and stay there by making that thing your second most important thing. It's got to be the most important thing. But I think LeBron has managed somehow to keep his family first. And, I, I mean, to me, the proof is that he's kept it together now for 20 years, and we've never read a headline about him in his personal life that's a bad headline. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the best thing you can say about him, in my mind, more impressive than that he broke the scoring record. Yeah. Yeah. God, you make a point in, in your descriptor here, Jeff, that LeBron James is the greatest basketball player of the 21st century, and he's in the conversation with Michael Jordan as the greatest of all time. Boy, that is a tough choice there, mm. Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Yeah, I, it's, a, it's a great debate that will probably go on for years after LeBron retires, um, but it's... Uh, you know, they played in different eras, and they never competed against each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, LeBron, competed, LeBron competed against Kobe, mm-hmm. and Kobe competed against Michael, but Michael and LeBron never played against each other in a game. And so, um, you know, I, I think there's – where there's no question and no debate is that uh, LeBron will have legacy-wise has a bigger footprint than Michael – when it comes to the rest of his life, um, basketball and shoes, they're probably on equal footing. But when you get past the basketball and the shoes and you look at the rest of his life, LeBron's footprint is it's pretty big. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. I, I just what, what do people recognize? Now, the reason I'm asking this is a very personal question, Jeff. Um, how people recognize spectacular talent because I do remember uh, I was at St. Joseph's school I was nine years old and I was playing basketball and the coach came over and said well I guess you won't be playing basketball (laughs) (laughs) so is it that easy to spot Jeff I mean it's partly you know obviously if if you were looking at me that'd be an easy judgment you'd be able to say the same thing Um, that guy's not going to have a career doing that. But um, when you talk about, like, really recognizing true talent, there are some people um, that are in a category where they're more inclined to notice special talent. And I'll go back to someone like Mike Krzyzewski, Mm -hmm, whose mm -hmm. job, whose job for 35 to 40 years was to scout the best high school players in the country to find the one that he should offer a scholarship for Duke. So when it's your job and you're in a position to look at exceptional talent year in and year out, you become better and more equipped and your eye can detect faster, there's the one. Whereas if I were looking at the talent, 
or you were looking at the talent, well, our eye is not trained. Right. We might, we, we could be impressed by, wow, that guy's really fast, or that guy jumps really high, or that guy's muscles are bigger than everyone else's. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's the guy that's going to change the game. I think there's certain people in the business, um, if you were in Hollywood, there's, there's certain people who can look at a young actor and go, now that guy or that girl has something that no one else has. Martin Scorsese could see that because he's looked at thousands of them. But most people who are just watching sports as fans know. They think they can, but they really can't. (laughs) They they don't really know what they're looking at. And and so I think that with with LeBron, there were people like Sonny Vaccaro, who was the kind of the godfather of shoes, who signed Michael Jordan to his shoe contract and then signed Kobe and then Tracy McGrady. When, so when someone like Sonny Vaccaro looks at LeBron, he's looking at things that are different than what you and I would look at. And, and Sonny looked at LeBron and, and decided the first time he saw him play live, he, in his mind, he said, he's better than anybody I've ever seen at his age. Hmm. Now, that's a huge statement. Yeah, with what he'd seen. Yeah, because that's a lot different than some guy sitting in a high school gym going, oh, there's the next Michael Jordan. What does he know? He he doesn't really know anything. But someone like Sonny, who's looked at all these guys and says, I'm seeing something here that I've never seen before, that means something. Have you seen the Nike movie? Yes, I have. Yeah. I love it. It's, it was, it's interesting. It was, yeah, it's entertaining. It's funny. Um, you know, I think Affleck and Damon do a great job with every movie they make. But what I'll say about the movie, though, is the movie is largely, it's much more Sonny Vaccaro's story than anything. And um, what's interesting to me is I, I spent an enormous amount of time with Sonny for, while I was working on the LeBron book. Oh, okay. And... Yeah, his relationship with LeBron is far more interesting, far more dramatic, and has much more depth than his relationship with Michael Jordan. Because Sonny didn't have a relationship with Michael Jordan. No, no. He didn't. I well, mean, he didn't he think he had the money him, to begin with. Yeah, he never, he never dealt with Michael. He dealt a little bit with his parents, but... The, the opposite happens with LeBron. I mean, by the, you also have to remember when Sonny was dealing with the Jordans, he wasn't Sonny yet. Mm-hmm. He was becoming Sonny. <laughs> yeah. By the time LeBron comes along, Sonny Vaccaro is a major force in the world of sneakers and basketball. And so LeBron knows who Sonny is when LeBron's a teenager. Sure. And, you know, that, so when they are going through that recruiting process, he, Sonny forms an, a really good friendship and relationship, not only with LeBron, but with LeBron's mother and with her, I don't want to say boyfriend, but with her male friend. And they're, you know, they go to his home in Los Angeles. He comes to their place in Akron. There's a lot going on there that I think is fascinating and I think readers will love because it just it shows how Sonny works and how he worked with a kid like LeBron. Yeah, well, he'd learned a lot. And, you know, some of it's kind of like the results. I mean, you know, when you go back to, like, 
with with Jordan. I mean, you know, they were off done the draft. He was third. You know, so yeah. some some guys you think are going to be really good mm-hmm. and don't, and you know, you hope they're going to be good, or something happens with them, like a Lenny Bias. So you have these things yeah, that yeah, happen, yeah. or you know, or guys that just don't work out as far as it goes. But you know, you you do find that special person, and I think you well, you've hit it right on the the head with LeBron. Yeah, yeah, he's just. There were never any concerns with LeBron about his focus, his seriousness, his the, the kids that hung around him. There was never a concern that he hung around trouble. He was never involved with the kinds of behaviors that are high risk for young athletes. LeBron was was no one was worried about any of that stuff with LeBron um, because he'd been ultra scrutinized and. So everybody knew what they were getting, which is why everybody wanted to get him. Because they knew not only was he hyper-talented, but he was what I would call super safe, meaning there weren't risk factors with him off the court. And that's a huge benefit to a team that's going to invest the franchise's money in this young 18-year-old, which... Normally, when you say we're going to all this money, Nike threw $90 million at an 18-year-old. And on one hand, Phil Knight is getting criticized for being wholly irresponsible and ridiculous for giving that much money to an unproven kid. But you can tell is that people saw things in LeBron that, in some respects, put them their mind at ease, that some of these other risk factors that are in play with some elite athletes were not in play with him. Sure. Well, they, I, I mean, he kind of proved the type of person he was just by going back to Cleveland after he'd been with Miami. Right. I mean, he made that yeah. a mission to go back there, you know. So he had that, you know, uh, that that belief about the, the what their commitment to him and his wanting to commit back to him. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, he... If he had stayed in Miami after he spends four years there, they go to the finals four times, they win two. The team was built to win championships, and Pat Riley and the owner of the Heat were committed to continue to spend money to bring in role players like Ray Allen and whoever else they needed to keep the the championship train running. The fact that LeBron walked away from that and and basically walked away from a guarantee that he would win more rings and and catch Michael easier and faster. Instead, he leaves to go to Cleveland to fulfill a promise that he felt obligated to fulfill. I don't think anybody else felt that way, but he did. Mm -hmm. And he was also willing to look past some pretty incredible things that the owner of the Cavaliers, Dan Gilbert, had said about him, personal things. That's true. When he left. Yep. Yeah, there just aren't many athletes, forget athletes, people, who who would be willing to go back and work for a guy who said those things about you in such a public way. Um, But LeBron's, you know, his famous words in the Sports Illustrated essay were, who am I to hold a grudge? Mm -hmm. Um, That's pretty, (laughs) pretty remarkable thing to say after what happened in Cleveland. No doubt about that. The book is called LeBron. It's available everywhere. Jeff Benedict, it was a great conversation, Jeff. You do a hell of an interview. I appreciate your time today. 
Thank Thanks, you. Jeff. It was a pleasure, guys. Thank Thanks. you. Have a good day. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there, in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best your best interest in mind correct well you want to know what your rights are you know whether or not you decide you're going to hire us or not that's a choice it's a free consultation and you want to understand what your all your rights are and what coverages you have and plus the fact i hang out with you so you got to be a good guy (laughs) if i'm hanging out with you Uh, maybe (laughs) okay ladies and gentlemen michael bryant bradshaw and bryant Tom here. For years, you've heard me talk about my friends at North American Banking Company. They have great online and mobile banking options, plus friendly employees who are always ready to help. And with their location in Maple Grove now open, it's even more convenient for me and my family. Go visit my friends at any one of their six Twin Cities locations or go online to nabankco.com to learn more. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC and equal housing lender. You all have helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. Jeff Benedict. Yep, that's all right. Jeff uh, writing a book about a guy named LeBron. They realized he was a very talented guy, and me at nine, they realized I wasn't. <laughs> so, you know. I think it's also easier to figure out the bottom 1% than it is to figure out the top 1%. Probably true. Because, right? you know, true. the bottom 1%, it's like, you know, if the guy can't walk three f- steps without falling over, it's pretty <laughs> obvious he's not going to become a basketball player. No. Well, and no. basketball, the greatest basketball players it's like they're all very giant people so when you have a that's fifth true. grader Height that's just, just like... giant it's like play basketball yeah, it doesn't mean you're coordinated just because you're large true no but i'm saying initially, you know? yeah but i'm saying it's easy to pick out the who's well, going to be good at basketball and then definitely helps and then you dwindle it down from there Hello. like all the super tall kids and then the really good tall kids then you're going to be great. Yeah. Right. Although Jordan didn't make his freshman team. He got what cut? No, that's right. Freshman, he got cut. So yep. it, cha- it does change. And, you know, got pe- uh, people develop and, you know, you have that. Uh, and then you have kids that are really good in the beginning and then burn out. You know, they get burned out by all the games that they play. Well, right. most basketball you know? players are burned out by the time they're what, like mid-30s, if that? Mm. Uh, yeah, probably. Well, very, very tall people have a lot of shoulder, yep. you know, knee, all that's mm-hmm. of injuries. Yep, yeah. And after 30, they're pretty much hurting all the time. The average NBA player is 26. Yeah, that's really? yeah, kind of that the... makes sense. That, when you put in the average of the lower bench, but the mm-hmm. stars, I bet, are a, a higher average age. Well, yeah, I mean, when you're making $500 million a year, it's easier to push. Well, I don't know about well, 500 like he million. Was, he was pointing... Uh, so, 
he got 90 million at 18 years of age. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, so normally sorry. that destroys a human yes. like right there. They just turn Good into point. a complete narcissist narcissistic well, LeBron James jerk. Well, kind of is a narcissistic jerk. You, well, well, there's some political I mean, side to him. But yeah. yeah, he's yeah, he's got a lot of opinions about politics and all that kind of stuff, but he's got enormous influence. On a lot of youth, I think he's probably probably the one that started the whole shoe culture, right? No, no, no. no. Michael, Michael Jordan. Michael I mean, Jordan. Yeah. Michael Jordan was a big part. Air Jordan. Air Jordan still yeah. huge. Okay, that's true. Yeah. So made far, a movie about him. How far yeah. back does that whole shoe culture go? The sneaker. Well, thing? Tennis players had had Adidas But I mean, within the black community, point, it's a huge. It was thing. Jordan that that, yeah. that made okay. that input into people but, in that okay. community. Yeah, basically yeah. Air Jordans. I mean, he had Converse for a while because players were playing them. But yeah. Jordan was the one who actually created something that okay. was Air yeah. Jordans. And he's, his still. was like the that. thing that made it so oh. every kid who liked basketball needed to have this specific kind of sneaker. And then, of course, every basketball player thereafter was like, I've got a sneaker, too, so you better buy that one. And mm-hmm. then they all started buying them. Mm-hmm. Sure. Now rappers have sneakers. Oh, Everyone's absolutely. Got sneakers now. They really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing I want to ask about that, and I didn't want to ask Jeff Benedict about it, but when I was a kid, well, not a kid, when I was in my 20s, I think it was, you started seeing tennis shoes hanging from telephone wires everywhere. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now people are going, "What's a telephone wire?" They don't well, even know still that. Got telephone wires. They're they still got up, some, yeah. Up there, well, yeah. But they're called communication cables. Now. Right, right. <laughs> people started taking their tennis shoes, their old tennis shoes, and throwing them up so they'd loop over the wire. Yeah. Well, they tie them together. Yes. And then they basically use them as like a bola. Yep. And it was to mark our territory. This is our neighborhood. Oh. Stay the hell out of here. I thought it was just to be an asshole. There's, no, no, it's to mark, a couple to mark territory. Different, there's a couple yeah, of there are. That, yeah. that came up. There was a, uh, wasn't there a veteran, something to do with veterans dying so, at yeah. one point? Oh, and, yeah. A few years yeah. ago, they were all like throwing shoes up for veterans yep. or something. Yeah. What was I that? remember that. Yeah. Throwing shoes for veterans, unless we're just completely wrong. No, but I mean, you know, you give, the boots. You, you give an 18-year-old $90 million coming from his background, Yeah. generally things don't go well no, I, for them. No for doubt. sure. I mean, no doubt. It's, their brains are underdeveloped, and lots of different things happen with that. You know, guys, well, like, you know, well, Lynn Bias, you know, he was dead and never made it in. And was it that he, night, by the way? Uh, I think, yeah, very I think right after he got drafted. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that was one that, you know, they the, say he would have been a great player. It's by you know? Minnesota, wasn't he? No, he was drafted by Celtics. Oh, he first was. Oh, that's right. You're absolutely right. He was. Yep. I keep forgetting that was my team back in the day. Yeah. So um, the Celtics. Yeah, you, you know, love the Celtics. And then they they deal with different challenges. I mean, when you look at the people that uh, that uh, Garnett was around, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, mm-hmm. they have different lifestyles. When he talks about guys playing in Oakland, you know, I was thinking of Stefan Marbury. You know, oh yeah, dude. Yep. If family could sit on the bench, his whole family would have sat on the Timberwolves bench. <laughs> that's <know>? very true. <laughs> They had to tell people you can't put your family on the bench. Well, because there That's were guys hilarious. that would, would have everybody in the world there. But it's you know? like, figure it out. You're not supposed to be on the bench. Well, what are you doing? it's not exactly the safest place to be either yeah. for well, the kids. Well, that's, I think, the number one reason. Run they over yeah. and ball yeah. thrown in your face. Yeah. 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 Basketball, volleyball, that's another place you don't want to be near the court. Too close. I got hit in the face with a volleyball when I went to my niece's volleyball no, tournament. We're done. You did? Yep. Oh, I did not know this. The oh. second that I got there, I was setting my bag down, and then it hit, like I turned around and it hit me. In the Those face. things are hard. They're hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they hurt. Yeah. It's soccer balls. You need somebody around you that'll stop it. 
You know? Well, nobody. It, it just happens so fast because well. they're because we were all sitting right around the court, and mm-hmm. I'm like, but this is not. But there were probably 40 volleyball games going on at one area. Yeah. Travel with your own goaltender. You know? Yeah, that's so what I need. It'll never. That's you'll never get hit. Never. Yeah. Always guard It'll your face, wonderful. Alex. I, I was just <laughs> always guard your face. I just. <laughs> I have to say with the new video here and stuff, Alex has the best look of like just thought when she looks off into into thought. It's just Mm, (laughs) let me see now. To a thought bubble above your head. I always have so many things. Like holy cow, there's a major thought going on. We need to raise a little bit. You always want the camera pointed slightly down. Okay, I'm washed out. I'm not wearing makeup. I got a baseball cap on. I don't care. You're fine. I'm not. I'm not as sensitive about my appearances. I don't want people ripping the shit out of me on social media. I don't care if you rip the shit out of me. Mm. Go for it. You'll have fun. you'll, You'll live through it. Yeah. I just saw this headline. I don't even know what this headline even means. What's but that? Spanish soccer now belongs to racists. Oh, oh probably the fans. I mean, th- th- some what? of the things that goes on with goes on with the fans in those stands. Oh, soccer holy cow! They I get mean, a little nuts, do they? Oh my god! They yeah, in in Europe and oh, that's some crazy stuff. Throwing bananas at players and there's a lot. Well, oh, that's right. Yeah, they would throw they, octop- it's, octopi it's at people. Yeah. It says here, Brazilian star Vinicius Jr. stirs up a lot of support after racist abuse in Valencia match. <laughs> so, this is Spanish against black, or what? It, oh, what? you ha- those yeah, it looks like soccer it. matches are notoriously yeah. horrible to I each know. other. Yeah, really? Yes. This yeah, is a sport murder. where they'll burn down their city block if they win or lose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, the, they, they hurl insults at each other yeah, no that matter. I know, I, yeah. I, I, all of them do it, though. What was his name? Yeah. Venetius something? Venetius. It's not unique to any People particular murdered, area. People have murdered players. Absolutely. They run to the field. And, and refs. They run on refs the, and yeah. shot refs. Yeah. yeah. His name is Venetius yeah. Jr., Andy. V I N I C I U S. It says Venetius Jr. That's the name he uses, apparently. Does this sound like a scam? Vinicius? What's that? I got, a, I got a UPS shipment notification. Your parcel is waiting for delivery. Please confirm the payment re-delivery fee. That's a yeah. scam. Yeah. It's it's $1.45. It's hit, on the, hit on the, the email. Hit on the email and see who it is, and I'll bet it's like Do I want? Doesn't that like open Just open up. Don't oh. open up a link. There's yeah, a link. There's, don't don't the open link. the link. Just open, open the email. The, it's not an email. It's a text message. Oh, well, then, then it's a scam. Definitely Absolutely. a scam. Yeah. Yeah. Extra then scam. It's Sincerely, you should block UPS or, Financial Department. You should you should block it They're or, texting you. or um, okay. report it. Yeah. All right. They're texting you. I wonder how UPS, UPS loves that, to Delete. be tied into a scam and they have nothing to do with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've had UPS scam text messages a oh, couple yeah, times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just get off your ass and get a job. How about that? Why don't you go to work? Well, some of it's a full time job. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I so. suppose it's very yeah. hard work to steal. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So what else is happening in the world? Anything good? Well, oh. legislature looks like they might get done in time no. for the first time ever, which is no. pretty amazing. How about nationally? I uh, know statewide. Well, we'll see. I mean. I, you look at it, and you, you you don't know how with sides that 
dug in, they'll ever be able to get to a deal. But they have to get to it. They a deal. have to. They, We're not going to go end, they broke. have to. So what is this deal? The deal to raise the debt limit. Yeah. They have to do that by June first, or we go broke, and then we have that problem like we did during the summer where they close the parks and close federal uh, buildings for a while. And why are we so loose with our money that yeah, we have to increase? Stop the debt spending limit. it. How stop about? spending so much money? Because we have to send it to the Ukraine. Yeah, we have to we have to buy <laughs> our support across the yeah. ocean. That that issue is the way the money goes. This is whether or not you're going to let it go broke on the June 1st or not. Yeah, and but why do we have to spend so much money? That's a that's a whole argument that but can be Jesus. dealt with, but Yeah, maybe if you're maxing out your credit cards so much that you have to buy more credit cards especially, you should uh, look at your behavior yep. rather than just keep yeah. on taking out more credit. Well, you know, it's gone up a lot in the last couple of years, so oh, sure I have no has. doubt about yeah. that. There's so. no question about that. But I just, I wish we'd all be, first of all, I wish people would start telling the truth. That'd be really nice. And then be much more responsible instead of just making money for themselves. That'd be great mm. if we could have somebody do that because there's not a lot of that going on right now, unfortunately. But what are you going to do? Um, we do the best we can, correct? That is true. That is I true. sure do. So we'll see if the legislature gets done. Um, and that would be significant to be done before the deadline with no special sessions. What's the big holdup? Oh, it's always it's always the budget bill. It's always yeah, getting right. that part of it done. They got looks like medical marijuana is going to pass. The governor's going it's passed. The governor's going to sign it. So we'll have people smoking medical or not medical. You mean recreational? Plain, yeah. Recreational, not even medical. Yeah. Plain old marijuana. Yeah. Still be federal federally illegal. So yes. there's still issues federally. Yep. And people need to at least think about that but they won't and like you can't transport it on i just airplanes. hope this place doesn't start smelling like denver denver just smells like pot i don't like i just don't like well it, it wasn't but, even you know. we weren't even in denver we were down near colorado springs right yeah, and colorado's we were, legal too yeah but yeah. oh uh, and we were riding bikes along some pathway, and it was just oh, everywhere God. you went it just re, it was just skunk weed everywhere yeah, everywhere just, i have a question yeah Aren't people smart enough to realize you're not supposed to smoke at all? Well, take the well, tablets or something. Well, they do. A lot of people the eat the gummies, or I don't know. Sometimes they vape, <laughs> like they did at the well, pool. It's not well, good for you. You still smell it when they vape, though. No, yeah, I know. Do. It's really smelly. cigarette or like when people vape nicotine stuff. There's no there's no smell smell unless they have like weird strawberry or something yeah. like that. But weed, oh, right? there's still, weed just still very really stinks, mm -hmm. very strong. But don't most people do the edibles? Yeah, I would imagine. But so. most people do. Who yeah, knows? why wouldn't you yeah. just do the edibles rather than people that vape more expensive. put that yeah. weird crap in your lungs and well, you don't even know what it is? And when you vape, it's more, it happens quicker. It yeah. does it? You can't wait 20 minutes? I don't, think, I don't think people can. Hurry up. Get people high. Can. No. They can wait 20 minutes. Yeah. Oh. Well, they could pre-plan. Well, no, they just want to be high. All I mean, Set like that guy, alarm, that guy. Do it. That guy that was at the pool, he took a puff off of that thing every what i think they were sharing seven the, minutes i think the little well they were people mm. were sharing it. but there was one guy yeah that i mean it was just constant hmm. I, I don't uh, i mean i still understand why would you want to smoke something when you could just do an edible and get the same result costs or I don't god know. smoking is yeah. just really bad for you don't do that don't do that. Well, it's true. It's well, true. medical marijuana is way more expensive than buying it on the street. It is, mm -hmm. yeah. It absolutely And is. you have to go through the whole, isn't it? You have to pay the state $500 a year or something like that. And for a license? Yeah, for a license. And it has. you have to renew it every single year. Oh, yeah. 
But now, when it's oh, recreational, yeah, recreational, you don't have to get a right. Can you just can you still get the medicinal stuff? Without, I, yes, because without, some people, yeah, some people want okay, to control. But to more. get into a dispensary, don't you have to have something? No. It's just like a liquor store. Yeah. Oh, okay. Is there going to be a limit on how, because like right now, recreational THC is legal in Minnesota, hemp derived. Mm-hmm. You can get that. And it has to be like below a certain amount of whatever. Yeah. Mm. When it's recreational, is it going to be below a certain amount? I don't think so, but THC, I, or yeah, is it just gonna I, be I don't know. I, it's... It's it's going to be a free for all. Yeah. You can yeah. literally transport two pounds in your car. Yeah. As long as you don't have a gun in there, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As long as you don't have a gun. And, and again, again, there's federal laws about that. So, yeah. so yep. you know, there's issues with but driving with that cares. in that amount. But yeah. if you drive on the say the VA or you drive across state lines or you know, there's still things you got to watch out for. That, but yeah, you're right. There yeah. are a certain level of cops that are like, Meh, that's not a what? an issue. <laughs> I, I always think it's funny when they yeah. pull over somebody that just reeks a pot, and that's just completely ignored. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> you know. So, I remember in, in college one time someone complained about one of the other people in the dorm smoking a lot, and the the head person came over. It's like, no, I don't smell it. No, I don't smell it. <laughs> no, I don't smell it. Are you kidding me? Yeah, whatever you works. Know, but, you know, it's it's just that complete whatever. But I don't know. I It seems to me that there's so many people that smoke it. That, so you know, many that it people. Doesn't, yes. doesn't, oh, Everywhere you, know, you go. There's just they don't think never, it's a big deal. You, 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 know? drive, you go to the Target pickup line. Stinks, yeah. It just smells yeah. everywhere. You, you yeah. walk around. You no, ride it's like how bike, pathetic it are you that you have to, like, be constantly smoking it everywhere you go? It's like you can't yeah. wait to get home. I don't know. Well, I, I yeah. But it, that's the way cigarettes were. I mean, you know. Yeah. And, yeah generally, people aren't smoking cigarette after cigarette after cigarette. Some people if you go are. Back, a lot of people if you go and back it doesn't make you the, high as hell. Right. But I'm just saying, going back to the 60s and 70s, people were yeah. smoking everywhere. Constantly. I mean, yeah. it's like yeah. a smoking. Also is well, annoying. Yeah. And so you had that. And, you know, when people drink, they there's a lot of people who just drink all the time. And I don't know. It's just like anything else, I guess. Well, uh-huh. it's like if you went somewhere and you were like reeking of rum. People would be like, you know, yeah, you've get got the a hell problem. out of here. You it drunk. depends on who you are. Yeah. It depends on where you are. The I only suppose. thing is, like I said, I don't know if there are any statistics or if anybody's bothered doing any of this, but, you know, people that are really high, I mean, some med- medical marijuana, especially, is, I mean, people are flying. Well, they're so high. Yeah. They're so high. Yeah. And they're behind the wheel. And there oh, yeah. doesn't seem to be any test for that. Nope. Well, it, the the test is a blood test. Yeah, but it takes. But long. you don't but have it takes, to. You're right. But you I, also can say no to a blood test, right? Well, you you they have to get a warrant to get a blood test yeah. to take it from you. But the the blood test is is the way. But I don't think they're really testing for it. But so they I don't, really I don't have see how it can test. affect you. Yeah. No, there isn't. Other than probably that some with your eyes or a field they sobriety could at least get test. probable cause from that. I don't think there's anything else they can get that they'd be able to say, yeah, I get probable cause from that. Can they do like the whole field test for alcohol? Because if somebody's oh, sure. really, really high, they're probably not going to be able to do most of those yeah. things. Yeah, walk in those things. Then you at least get probable cause to say, I think they might be drinking or think there might be an issue here. And then you yeah, have to get the warrant from a judge to get the blood test. Yeah, if somebody's extremely, extremely high and it's like not safe for them to be behind a wheel, it would be pretty Yeah, because I think I saw one of those on Highway 100 today. 
There was a guy. It was he was half in one lane, you know, the other lane. Yeah, some people drive. And then that way. all of a sudden he drifted over and was half in the other lane. And, mm-hmm. and I took a look at him <coughs> when I sped by. Sorry, to get away from him. I'm like, I don't want to be around well, this guy. Well, you shouldn't be around people like that. Exactly. Yes. He looked very, very loaded. I mean, mm-hmm. just looking at him through the loaded, window. Loaded to something. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's scary, and uh, you know, I I don't know if I've heard the. They, they feel more focused when they drive <laughs> argument, you know. Oh, yeah, I've so, heard that. Or you're you less know. likely to injure because you're less stiff. It's very And so if you get into stiff. a car accident, you don't brace. Oh, so, you just, well, I don't care if they kill someone. Yeah. I care yeah, about exactly. Yeah. I know. It's like that's not, that's not helping you. <laughs> no. Although if you're really less stiff and you're really loose, you're more likely bleed to death. So true. If you're, yeah, I don't know if that whole like being loose on impact thing is true or not. I, I don't know. I've heard that I about people that are like, oh, it's a good thing he was really drunk because the family he killed, you know, mm-hmm. he was fine. I know. Yeah, and yeah. he should have been dead, but he was so drunk. That's that... a special special patron saint for drunks. <laughs> I you know? guess there is so. definitely a patron saint for him. You know, it keeps him alive. So seems to be in a the lot way. of circumstances. But no, that was the only thing that I, you know, about legalizing marijuana. It's like they should have a field. They should have some sort of test for it for mm-hmm. drivers. But no, it doesn't matter what you do on the road. No, anyway, there's because there's no cops. It doesn't really matter. No, there's still lots of people getting pulled over for DUIs. <coughs> there are. I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah I still, never see a cop anymore. Really? I see cops all never. the time. Oh, do you really? Oh, I see them all the time. I saw one on the way here today. You see my buddy Booker on T. Hodges. 100? I don't Booker know. T. Yeah, on a hundred going. Really? Yeah. So I see, T. I see T. police Hodges, most yeah. of the time that I drive. I never see them. Yeah. Maybe you're not paying. Okay, we got about two minutes left, so I want to read three headlines, and these are the top three headlines in the Star Tribune. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, legislature, pa- legislature passes three billion dollar tax bill ahead of Monday deadline. Yep. Second headline: Legislature passes one point three billion dollar transportation deal with gas tax hike. Yep. Uh, headline number three. Legislature passes jumbo outdoor bills with transformational money. Are we going to have any money left at all? What does that all? mean? Jumbo, jumbo outdoor bill. I mean, What's a jumbo outdoor <laughs> bill? Well, but that's that's the state. He's he's reading headlines from the state, not from federal. The debt ceiling's the federal. But um, in Minnesota, I mean, those are headlines you'd get in special session. They're just getting it all done before Monday, which is going to be interesting to mm-hmm. see if that all gets done. And there's a lot of money being spent. No, all know? three of these were state stories. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's right. But yeah. he talked about the debt ceiling. And oh, that's, the debt ceiling. The yeah. debt ceiling's federal. So yeah, those are two different true. things yeah, altogether. Right. But um, uh, eh, they were going to get it done, and they may get them all done on time and not have a special session. But do they? Well, of course they're going to get them all done. Itself. They've got 100% control. They're pushing everything that they want through that's, in a minute. That's not. Sometimes 100% control causes even more problems in lots no, of ways. I think they're all very much in focus on what they want to do. Mm-hmm. They've gotten a lot done in a short period of time, and nobody ran on any of it. No, it's there's been, a lot, been a lot of back and forth and a lot of different issues over there. They've been different back and forth. Well, that... In it a very get, short period of but time. It, it always gets done. It just whether or not they go to special <laughs> session to do it. And to me, I, I kind of <laughs> was waiting to see if this time at least they'd go without a special session. Because we've always had a special test. Typically, they always push those off. And I don't know why they don't get their job done, whatever their job is. So, Do they have you know? to piss away so much money, though? That's the problem. It uh, depends on who you ask and what issue you're talking about. I do guess. they have to do it? No. Jesus. You know, but um, I, I'm just... 
I'm, I, I, I'd like to see them all get done and not have a special session. I, that's the only thing. And the rest of it, you know, it's, it would eventually get done one way or the other. All right, two things. Yes, mm-hmm. sir. One, it is better to brace for impact. Okay. Yeah, so the whole yeah. loose up well, thing is a complete myth. Think about when mm. you're the airplane crash thing. They mm-hmm. say brace, brace, brace. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're supposed they to do. put your head down, head stay down, down, and yeah, stay yeah, down. Yeah, the loose thing is just <coughs> a complete myth. It doesn't Which, even make yeah, any sense makes, if you think yeah, about it. Yeah, if you're loose, you're just going to smash into mm-hmm. everything. Uh, and then the other thing? Again. The other thing <laughs> is we have Joe on the line quickly. Do we have time? We have negative 47 seconds. Yes, we do. Hey, Joe. Speak fast. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. What's happening? Well, nothing. I heard you guys talk, uh, talking weed. <laughs> what? I don't Here remember that. Are. It's not legal in where you're at yet, is it? Uh, kind of. Oh, medical? Kind of. Not really. Okay. Okay. Um, it's hard to explain, but you can buy this what's called Delta Eight or Delta Nine oh, sure. or Delta Ten. The different metabolites at, mm-hmm. at the uh, smoke shop. <laughs> They've all got three point three percent of alcohol or THC in them, and you can get different uh, milligrams, anywhere from thirty milligrams to five hundred milligrams. Okay. There you have it. Sorry, is that everything? I guess if I ain't got that much time, it's going to have to be. Well, hmm. tomorrow's always tomorrow. Nice pal. talking to you, Joe. Thanks a lot, Joe. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. All right, that's going to do it.